Season's greetings, and welcome to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days, the podcast where we jingle all the way, one day at a time. I'm Sean German from Five Minutes of Mime. I'm Christopher Dennis DeGuardia from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days. <laughs> I'm Pete Mummert, also from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days. <laughs> uh, I am Niall McGowan. I'm from Bat Minutes 89. I'm John Parker, and believe it or not, I am from Bat Minute 89. <laughs> all right thank you yeah, thank you very much john and niall thanks for thanks for joining us we're, we're happy to have you here uh today we oh, are thank you thank you for having us <laughs> you're, you're quite welcome it's, it's a pleasure <laughs> yeah yeah it's, just... it's quite an honor to have such uh experienced and noble podcasters such as yourselves uh gracing <laughs> gracing <laughs> <laughs> oh i wouldn't go that far i think we've only been out like four months or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like we're like veterans at this thing. Yeah. It's it's internet time. Things move fast. You're uh, that's right. Old hands at this point. <laughs> Pros. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where's the new young guys? Yeah, we're old hat now. We're yesterday's news. You know, we're picked to the curve. Yeah, all those like oh those Titanic minute guys. Like oh they're oh wait no they yeah. did Tombstone. Yeah. So like yeah. they're already old guys. So I was gonna say they come in and swoop in, steal all our thunder. But like uh, I guess we were stealing their thunder originally, and now they're stealing it back. But. Yeah. The way thunder works sometimes. Constantly stolen. Uh, yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we're so we're here today to talk about the events of December sixteenth, and uh, the way we know it's December sixteenth is we just kind of we made it up. <laughs> this is so we don't actually see the advent calendar today, but it looks like everyone is sort of relaxing around the house. So we assume this is the first weekend day. Since uh, since our last episode, which was the 14th. So that puts us on Saturday, December 16th. And what the what we have happening today is the grandparents arrive. We get the the four grandparents of Clark and Alan show up to uh, to disturb domestic bliss. We see uh, we get Rusty helping Clark out, hanging the lights on the house. We get uh, Audrey helping Ellen in the kitchen. And then uh, at the end of the day, we get the family gathering on the lawn for uh, for the lighting of those uh, aforementioned Christmas lights. And we get a little bit of slice of life for what it's like to live next door <laughs> to the Griswolds. So yeah, so so December 16th, we start with, we get a nice exterior winter suburban scene. Everything is calm. Everything is peaceful. And then a doorbell rings. Mm. Well, we also get that uh, the doorbell, but then this is a little clip from "It's yeah. a Wonderful Life" with that. Uh, it's yes, a wonderful yes. life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With the the kids' voices, you cut through your head like a drill, like every time a bell rings. <laughs> I did note though that this is one of the edu- uh, one of the educational things of um, this film is that because you know there's a there's a reference. Throughout, with the you know, the, mm-hmm. the the thing at the top of the banister, the newel post, wherein uh, it's a wonderful life that's constantly falling off, and then they kind of reference it <laughs> in this film at the end when uh, you know the December twenty fourth. Yeah. Like, but there was the educational thing. I was like, I never knew it was called a newel post until I watched this film. Oh yeah, it was always just oh yeah, the thing at the top of the banister. So I was like, oh, there you go. That's you know, is everything at the top of a banister a newel post, or is it? need to have a little ornamental thing. Because I, I always wonder if I have a newel post in my house. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I've not looked at any of the other... Uh, I've not looked at any of the other National Lampoon films after this one to see if, like, in Vegas vacation they might yeah. specify exactly what's going on. But Yeah. Well, if this... <laughs> yeah. So do you guys think that Rusty has... Is this a, a tape he's watching, you think? 
or is it just on TV and he's lounging around? Because I have questions about videotapes later in this day. It's it's got to be on TV. I don't I, I don't imagine because this doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. When I was a teenage boy, I was not a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So I got to think this is this is the '80s. Maybe they don't have cable. There's only three channels. There's not much selection. I don't. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm misjudging Rusty. You know, I don't. I don't picture him like going out to the their video cassette library yeah. and making this. Right, right. It's, it's okay. a nice little. It t- seems like this is. It's yeah. on, and they don't have. You know, this is before remote controls, and he's too lazy to get right, off yeah, the couch. He, he looks barely <laughs> interested in it. That's why I was wondering. He's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been the exact same at that age. If I was being forced to watch that because it's Christmas, I would have hated every second of it. That would be my reaction. <laughs> There's no way a kid like that picked that movie. Yeah, I think this might have been the way I saw like this film originally was because it only had like in Ireland and like when I was growing up in the 90s, it would have been like six stations. So you had the UK stations, then the two Irish stations. And they would show around Christmas time, obviously, any film that had the word Christmas in the title. So uh, you would get this played about 17 times over the course of a week. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's probably almost definitely how I saw this originally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I actually quite like the movie now. I only saw it a couple of years ago because my, my partner's mum made me watch it basically at Christmas. She's like, you are going to watch this. This is great. And I did actually really enjoy it. <laughs> I, should, I should clarify, this is It's a Wonderful Life you're talking about. It's not National Lampoon's Christmas Not vacation. this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, Christmas Vacation. Oh, that suits that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, like, I, I was no. talking about Christmas Vacation. But also It's a Wonderful Life. I think, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably counts for both the films. Well, there's a nice tie-in with It's a Wonderful Life because the director, Frank Capra, his grandson, Frank Capra, Capper the third is assistant director on Christmas oh. Vacation. Oh, there it is. Everything's connected. So I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think he must have been like a torture? Oh, of set, course, though, like yeah. walking around, but like, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Frank Capper the third. Uh, you know that movie they're showing on the TV? <laughs> yeah, uh, great grandmother directed. <laughs> so it it does kick off a lot of bells ringing, though. I may know a little something about you Christmas know? movies. Maybe you've heard of me. Yeah. Mm. I have a quick question here, though, about. Is this is this the living room or is it Russ's room? Because it looks very living room esque, but then it's got a poster of where the wild things are on the wall. I don't. Yeah, I noticed that. That seems a bit odd for like a a living room setting, particularly for like a nice little suburban family to throw up a poster of a children's book. <laughs> that seems weird to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I haven't. Ma- and I was actually thinking of this early today, like. Just mapping out the floor plan of this house. It seems like they have, they must have a separate like TV room or family room because later on we do see a formal living room where they have the tree set up, uh, the Christmas tree and where the family gathers. Yeah. And that's not this room. This is, Mm. you know, there's no posters in that room. But I don't think this is, we later see because the grandparents who arrive are going to end up sleeping in Rusty's room. So this is not, this doesn't look like his bedroom. It's not the living room. This must be, uh, they must have like just a separate, less formal sort of, uh, you know, TV room lounge yeah. where uh, where Rusty can put, you know, have his sneakers up on the couch. Yeah, that, that, that was like, there's two things that made me think maybe it's his bedroom. One of them was that like, you wouldn't get away without having your sneakers on on the sofa. If the if your mother was just walking around, she'd be instantly onto you about that. And then the fact that there's a and the, the more troubling one I found was that if it's his bedroom, there's an open open box of tissues nearby, and I'm just like, this kid I had to look up his age. Like he's like 14, so it's like 
yeah, it could have been that. You know, it's yeah, so. Maybe he has allergies. And it, oh, is it his yeah. room that also has the the poster of that woman on the yeah? Yeah, directly over the bed. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be the one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That'll explain the tissues, I guess. Mm. The deleted scene of the grandfather finding another box of tissues like stuffed in the side of the bed or something. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Maybe we won't go there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, cut, cut this if inappropriate, but, um, you know, sure. why else has he got that poster there? I won't say too much, but you, know, you don't generally put a poster of a, at that age of a woman directly above your bed. That's a strange thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see because we, we get a glimpse, glimpse of, um, of Audrey in her room and she's got posters. I'm not, not on the ceiling where she can just look up and see it, but she does have uh, Guns and Roses. So she's got some gentlemen. Uh, in a poster above her bed. Um, but we don't see any tissues. She doesn't have tissues. I, I think she's got, well, I think she's got uh, Matt Belgrano, the postcard punk. I think that's ah. what all those pictures of the guy with the red oh, mohawk. Yeah. Is, that the, is that the guy with the mohawk? <laughs> yeah. I don't know who that was. I think he was kind of famous for being like a, a <laughs> fake punk rocker who had the, the red mohawk and he would take all these, these photographs that would end up in <laughs> like teen magazines. And all, like all the real punks hated him and would try to beat him up. I, was, I thought it was a bit weird to have a sort of sexy punk model. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, my first impression was he's got to be like a faker. Everyone yeah. will hate that guy. <laughs> Screw the poser. I was going to say she is listening to very nondescript rock music. Just mm-hmm. guitar. I, I couldn't identify it. <laughs> yeah. It's probably like one of the... Although, to be fair to John Hughes, like he usually would have like a fairly... He has a fairly good grasp on the music, but I guess he didn't direct this one. So it's kind of like, had he done it, it would have been like the Dream Academy or someone very specific. Whereas it's now, it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's just whatever the kids are listening to these days, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I do enjoy... Because we do get the, the, the doorbell. And of course, like that's the, mm-hmm. the great ominous joke of like every time it rings, it cuts to a different room. <laughs> the volume gets lower and lower and it gets goes from like a ding ding into the final one of a very sort of uh, dreadful kind of ding ding which is really it's, just, it's a nice subtle little joke to sort of like set up exactly what's what's about to hit the, the household weirdly really reminded me of specifically in uh hellraiser you know when the uh when you've you've when anyone solved the box and then you get like the lights come through those little weird shutter things and you always get that like dong. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like the setup answer about to show up at their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the family arriving is always a little bit like yeah, like Pinhead. <laughs> now that would make an interesting crossover. National Lampoons. Uh, I don't even. I can't even think of a pun for that. Hell or something. Yeah, hell, hellcation. <laughs> I do also wonder as well of because um, uh, you know before they answered the door we got a shot of I'm gonna have to I've just had to correct myself there as well because this will frequently happen so stop me if it ever does I was about to call him Gus Griswold <laughs> because <laughs> when I was growing up there was a cartoon called Recess and it had a character called Gus Griswold and I keep I can't get Clark and <laughs> Gus separated in my head just because of the name Griswold so but. Um, <laughs> If I ever do Clark. call him Gus Rizgold, that's exactly what's what. But yeah, he's trying on like a Santa beard, indicating that like he's he's going to dress up as Santa at one point in the film that we don't see. Presumably because we stop at Christmas Eve, 
there's potentially some disaster on Christmas <laughs> Day of him coming down the chimney in that outfit or something. And this is like this is an entirely different film of just that one day and him destroying this house somehow by like getting stuck in the chimney or something. Now, when you said that, I just thought of Gremlins. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of. Maybe that's why they had to make Vegas vacations. Like maybe people will assume that he died trying to do that, like the Gremlins died. They better make another one so people know that. He's there's alive. a lot of Gremlins in this movie too. Like this, uh, the, the opening of this day when you see him drive in. I think this is the same back lot where they had the Peltzer house. And I think, like, when you look at this mm. kitchen, you can uh, definitely see, like, a Rand Peltzer juicer in there. I mean, it would totally fit, like, a good Rand Co. <laughs> blender. Now, that's another crossover I want to see, though. I want the Gremlins to attack oh, I do this too. house. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think would do more damage? Like, the Gremlins or Clark Griswold? <laughs> like, I think they'd be pretty evenly matched. Like, it's be proper, like, it's an Alien versus Predator poster of, like, whoever wins, we all lose. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's going to be some kind of carnage anyway. Yeah, so so the grandparents have all arrived. I presume they've yeah. traveled separately as, as two different couples, but they all arrive at the same time. And it's all, like, the, the family all seems a little bit shocked, although they knew they were coming. They are invited guests, but mm. st- it's still a surprise. It's still... Uh, maybe surprise isn't the dread right, a terror when they <laughs> yeah. when they arrive it's something you can't really yeah. prepare for even mm. though you uh, you know it's coming and we get uh we we've got some some well established actors here mm. for for the grandparents um so ellen's parents art and francis are played by eg marshall and doris roberts eg did a lot of tv dating back to the 50s but uh, probably best known to our audience as the president of the United States in Superman 2. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I also... So he's got that. Yeah, I always connect them. Because, again, you know, anyone who listens to the Batman it will know, like, oh, there's always trying to... Connect, always end up in my head trying to connect everything <laughs> back to Batman, essentially. I know that the... Yeah, E.G. Marshall was in Tanner 88, which was, uh, you know, the main character. And that was played by Michael Murphy, who's the mayor of Gotham in Batman Returns. So, uh, there you go. There it is. There you go. Yeah. So. He's also, I just know him as well from, he's in uh, the Tommyknockers, which is like, I used to watch a lot when I was a kid. You know, it's like, a, uh, you guys know the Tommyknockers? Mm-hmm. It's like a Stephen King adaptation. Uh, yeah, I know the it's story, like, but yeah. It's essentially... Yeah, it's essentially like Quatermass and the Pit, only it's set in Maine. It's a complete <laughs> ripoff, but it's a good, it's a good, you know, enjoyable story. Yeah, so. I like that. But yeah, he's the only he's he's the the one character who tries to to tell you why it's called Tommyknockers because there's no real reason. Like it's just it's just a spooky <laughs> name, and he just like one one scene randomly just comes out with this rhyme of like late last night and the night before Tommyknockers, Tommyknockers knocking at my door. Well, it just sort of goes wow. about his day. I was like, what the hell? What does that mean? What's that got to do with anything? Zero explanation yeah. needed. Yeah, it's just like expecting Ron Howard to come in and go like, hey, that's the name yeah, of the show. Skaskiv, he looks directly at the camera when he recites that. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, Francis is played by Doris Roberts, who uh, some people will know as, uh, well, from Every- Everybody Loves Raymond, mm. which uh, I never watch, but I hear it's it's a television program. I, I defend Raymond. Like I know a lot of people, it's a it's a bit kind of lame. Yeah, because it's a very family safe safe kind of sitcom. But I've I've watched Everybody Loves Raymond. It's not like I go around yeah. recommending it like Seinfeld or something. But I've always watched it, and she's she's great in it. Like she's a genuinely like really talented comedic actress, and everyone who's in it is very good at what they're doing. So it's just a very sturdy show. Like it's not gonna change your life, but if you stick it on, 
Yeah, you'll get through the next 22 minutes. It's, it's reliable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. But at least it's competently made by, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well I... Well made by, uh, by good artists. I got a bit addicted to it because I, I actually, I used to live in Pakistan. And as you can imagine, there's not much choice on the television. And, but Everybody Loves Raymond was on every single day. So it's like, well, I guess I'm watching that again. <laughs> I think I've seen all of them. It's like a, I think I've got good news for you. I'm fairly certain it's still on every day here at like 8 in the morning. So you could, be, you could watch it with, yeah, you could like watch, your, watch it with your breakfast or something. <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> Start your day with Raymond, yeah. Yeah. No, no more, please. Um, and she's another one who... Her, Doris uh, Roberts is another one whose career goes back to uh, a lot of television in the 50s. So she's a, an old mm. hand at, at this sort of stuff. Moving on to Clark's parents. Clark Sr. is played by John Randolph. Once again, someone whose uh, resume goes back to the early days of black and white television. Uh, also uh, doubled up, uh, was in Escape from Planet of the Apes and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes in 71 and 72. He's a, he's a, he's a double aper. Was he the same character? Or? Oh, he's two, two different apes. Yeah, actually, the, the same character in, in both. He, he comes back. Oh, he's the same. Yeah. Right. Um, now, but the, the most, thing, most interesting thing I found about John Randolph, um, other than this movie, of course, uh, was something he didn't do. He was in the original Linda Carter Wonder Woman pilot, uh, but was, his character was eventually replaced by Richard Eastham in, uh, in the main series. He was supposed to be General Phil Blankenship. Um, so he's in the pilot, but didn't make it into uh, the series there, Wonder Woman. Mm. And then finally, Clark's mother, Nora, is played by uh, Diane Ladd, who uh, I'm sure we all know and love. She's done a, a couple David Lynch films. She was in uh, Inland yeah. Empire and Wild at Heart. Uh, she was also uh, she was in the movie Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And then she was also in the television show Alice, but playing different characters. Yeah. Between the two, um, so she's she's done a lot of stuff and is the mother of actress Laura Dern. So there oh, you go. There you go. All right. Yeah. So that's our our grandparents all arriving, and then it's just chaos descending on the household as it is when when family arrives. Have you guys ever had like a big, huge family Christmas like this? Because my my family's pretty small. We don't really meet up. So to me, this is quite alien. But that's what makes it funny. Like I'm, mm. I'm laughing at other people's lives. So I don't know if it's normal <laughs> yeah. to, to most. I had this as a kid and it was horrible every single time. Like it was always that feeling of dread. <laughs> they were like, the and then always. So, no, okay. sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask Pete, like they were staying like for a few weeks or something. Or was this like... Well, they would stay for... <laughs> they would often stay for like a week and it would be a huge oh, gathering of people. And like the person that invited them all, you know, like my mom would invite them all and then she would like Clark disappear and kind of <laughs> not take any responsibility for all the mayhem she had just unleashed. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a good excuse that it's like, technically it sounds like he's contributing. It's like, oh, it's Christmas. I'm putting up the Christmas lights. But at the same time, it's an excuse that he's... He's outside. He's going to be away from, you know, have just the drama and the tension and the chaos of having to deal with all this company. You know, he's conveniently yeah. excused himself with something that, you know, it sounds pertinent. It sounds like it's related, but it's, you know, it's also a, a great excuse just to get away. Um, but before that yeah. as well, he's, he, he's kind of thrust with the, the responsibility of parking their car, <laughs> which I thought was very strange. It's like, where have they parked already? Like, is it's, it just, are they just haphazardly out in the streets and he has to go move these cars now? Or, which or what's the which he never does, by the way. Like, when we'll see in a minute, we'll see that he does it. You know, he's, 
Well, that yeah, that is an odd line. Like they don't. Do they all four? Are there four separate cars? Like how many cars are there? And they we see the outside of the house. They have a driveway. Can't they just pull in or the side of the road? Like mm. this isn't you know. <laughs> This isn't young Henry Hill in Goodfellas, like, you know, parking. <laughs> I can barely see over the steering wheel. And, uh, you know. <laughs> it's it's funny, though. It was, oh, no, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I, I was going to say, I'm frozen, I'm frozen on this really nice shot where they open the door and all the grandparents stop bickering and smile at the family. <laughs> and and I, I like, it's a nice moment where they all kind of stop. And they all have nice smiles. But if you look behind them, there's like a fence. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not quite sure of the geography of this neighborhood. <laughs> Like, is the house set way back? Although That's it doesn't weird. appear set oh, back yeah. later. You know what I'm saying? There's, is it like a graveyard? Yeah. What's because it, yeah, it's not a regular. <laughs> it's not a re, It's not another house. You know, yeah. it's not just a regular kind no. of suburban fenced-in yard situation. There's like yeah, brick posts and this wrought iron fence and yeah, it's like an old Victorian <laughs> mansion or something like a haunted mansion, <laughs> like a haunted house so across a, the yeah. street. Yeah, but you know, it's a front door, so yeah. It's quite. Yeah. It's like it almost looks like the kind of like like the entrance to like Edward Scissorhands' house. Or yeah, like that. It's like a real, it's like a real gothic vibe. <laughs> yeah, here. Vincent Price living across the street. Yeah. Just next no, door. Maybe yeah, he's got it decorated for Halloween, and he hasn't you know taken all of that down yet. It was a Halloween style fence. Like, oh, this right. cool. It might just be like me. I've still got Halloween stuff up. You know, <laughs> you leave it up long enough, it eventually exactly. Comes What's the point in taking it down when you're just going to put it back up again? Right, you're early eventually. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I will say, I, I do enjoy like the, the the humor in here of uh, the things that they're saying to the family, because this is all very, these films in general sort of swing from like, oh, this is like, you know, oh, vacation. This is like what it's like going on family. And it's all the minutia of that. <laughs> but then it'll swing into like broad, broad slapstick. Like I'd say, I was uh, in the lead up to this. I watched the first three because I was like, "Oh, in case oh I need to know some of the <laughs> it's very old lore in the build up to this." In some way. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like, "There's no what the hell is these kids have just switched ages and morphed into different people in every film? What the hell's going on?" Well, yeah, and they're not just different <laughs> actors, but they're like because originally Audrey was the youngest and Rusty yeah. was older, and now all of a sudden Audrey's older and and Rusty's younger. It's yeah, no one will yeah, know. I'm assuming you guys. Have, <laughs> yeah. I've got a theory yeah. about this. Have you uh, touched on? Um, apparently, there was a like a reunion commercial campaign a couple of years back for Old Navy, and you can get it on YouTube. But it, the actual yeah. joke in it is that it's the Griswolds, and all the kids are there. So it's like, oh, uh, hey, Russ won. And he's like, hey, Euro Russ, would you do this? And it's like the kid from the second one. And I was like, well, at least they're now finally addressing. Whatever the hell is going on? Because Noah and Clark, it's like, did he like accidentally kill his children in between each film? Like, he was some kind of wacky. He just, he's, he's, and now he's. Well, I, I, my theory was he's just one of those guys that he has like multiple families in different cities, and he just tells them, "Oh, I'm I'm traveling for work." But then to you know to avoid having to like mix up the names or remembering names, he just gives the kids the same names in every family. Oh, genius! <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right with that because he spends half of this movie flirting with other women. Yeah, yeah. Which is really weird because I've not I've not seen this film before, so I put it on and I went in thinking oh, I'm going to like this guy. He seems cool, but then he just constantly is trying to cheat on his wife <laughs> every five minutes. <laughs> I see, but, yeah, the first one as well really establishes him. Maybe back in the '80s, it was like oh whatever, but like going in vacation, like just National Lampoon's vacation first. Clark Griswold is like a horrible person. He's not. I think you're supposed to think he's like an everyman, 
But like in the first one, like he kills a dog, like and not like a kind of wacky. Oh, he blew up a dog like through some kind of crazy shenanigans. He tied it to the back of a car and then dragged it for several miles. And you keep thinking, oh, maybe the dog's gonna turn up fine at the end, and it was all a misunderstanding. No, he just killed the dog. And like at the end of it, it's like, yeah, so what? And he's 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 not phased by it. The joke is that you're supposed to be laughing at how emotional the policeman who pulled him over about it is. And I was like, this guy's horrible. And then later on, he does flat out try to cheat on his yeah. wife. And it's like, I don't, it's like maybe back in, it's not helped by the fact that it's Chevy Chase yeah. as well. It was a man like notorious for just being incredibly difficult to work with and just generally not a nice person. But <laughs> I think there's a lot of evidence, though, that Clark is just an over-the-top sociopath. <laughs> like, I think we see it over and over in all of these movies. And he never takes any responsibility for his action. He lies constantly. And he's just a horrible man to be around. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's trying his best, you know, to be a, a husband, a father in the modern world. I did note, though, in, in the second one, which is ironically, like, the worst one, that's the one where they try to, it's like they're trying to make him like a good guy. Like he, he doesn't do anything wrong, really. Like he's sort of, he is like the everyman dad Matt. And this one, they do go back a bit to him, been a bit more like, well, again, he's flirting with other women and, and stuff like that. But the reason, like tying it way back into what my original starting point of this was, is that the little conversations they're having are completely relatable humor, mm. which is like, oh, I've been there. I've seen this. Like, I, I get this joke. Whereas, like, some of the slapstick stuff is like, that would never happen to anyone. And particularly within European vacation, where it's just like, oh, they crash into, like, the Statue of Liberty and stuff at the end. And it's like, oh, the Chris Walter back. Wah, wah, wah. And, like, all this kind of really silly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, it's, it's, it's mm. th- these little bits of humor that I actually, I like more. Because it's like, oh, I, I, I understand this is coming from a, ve- from a very genuine place. Of like John Hughes has clearly been like I know exactly what it's like having a huge family around for Christmas, and these are like these could literally be quotes that he has heard said to him by aunts and grandparents and stuff as well, you know. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the few times I have actually gone like to a big family gathering, very few times. This is literally the only topic of conversation. It's just everybody's aliens <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, well, th- I yeah. as a kid as well, you're like I don't care. <laughs> I want to have Christmas fun. <laughs> But yeah, this is what happens as you as you get older. Um, well, if you're in New England, you talk about the weather and and you talk about yeah health ailments and stuff. So this is yeah. So there's there's certainly very broad comedy in this movie, and then there are moments of uh, where it gets very real and very honest. Mm-hmm. And there's there's comedy in that as well. So there's what, there was one. That, what is the odd little knock on the door that Clark's mother does to him? Oh yeah, I have no idea. She pulls this out and she pops yeah. a treat in his mouth. Like, what is this? Like, that's that's the yeah, weirdest that's weird. part. That always gets me. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I think it's you know obviously some, some old timey thing. Yeah, inside joke or, or something that's between. But I don't know if there's like a real thing that people actually do that that's based on. I have no idea. Other than you know, I mean, it very quickly establishes the relationship. That like all of a sudden, you know, here's, you know, grown man. He has, we've seen him in office. He's like a professional, a wife and kids and everything. And then in this moment, he's a little yeah. boy again, you know, kind of in, in front yeah. of his mother. And that, uh, you know, he, but well, as we know, he's just, he's playing the part. Like none of this emotion is real correct. because he's a complete <laughs> yeah. sociopath, but he's, he's playing the part well. I, that one of the, I connect with him on that level. Definitely. I thought one of the little anecdotes, though, was a like struck a bell, like an everything connected bell with you, Sean, because it's like E.G. Marshall saying, "Oh, they had to take a pint of fluid out of my back," 
And I was like, how would you do that? Like, so a, tap, <laughs> a spinal tap, perhaps? Oh. Like, oh. oh, there it is. Oh. <laughs> I did wonder about that because I've heard, like, if you have things that, you know, need fluid drained. But this is, I think, the only time I've heard of a fluid being drained from a from a back. But, yeah, spinal tap. <laughs> Uh, so, so the family comes in and then, then we cut to, uh, Clark outside getting, uh, getting set up for, uh, hanging the Christmas lights and he hands Rusty a, a ball of lights, a, a string of Christmas lights for him to untangle. That's literally the size of the child <laughs> at this point, <laughs> about probably weighs about as much as Rusty does, you know, and he's like, here, you know, there's a knot. <laughs> Untangle this. <laughs> While he does that, he he asks. He says, "Russ, when was the last time I ever overdid anything?" <laughs> and he almost seems to have a moment of self awareness when Rusty doesn't answer. Yeah. Like if you look at his face, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out is he purposely in denial about the way he acts, or does he just not get it? I, I get the impression he knows because yeah. he, he does kind of in his face he reacts to some of the things that are happening, and he he kind of looks like he's yeah. trying uh-huh. to ignore it all the time. Like it'll be fine if I just don't acknowledge. What I've done, basically. It's a, it's a similar thing there. Yeah, I think he's he's realizing. Yeah, I, I do always go overboard, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it really reminds me of um, like of any character who reminds me of is uh, Basil Fawlty. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, he does. Because yeah. he had that same kind of like, you know, he. I say Basil's probably a lot more unlikable because he was a full on snob and everything as well. But he always had that thing of like everything would be mounted against him mm-hmm. and everything would be going wrong. And he'd still be like, well, you know, he'd still try to pass it on <laughs> as if it's okay. And everything's fine. Don't worry. I've got complete control of the situation. And then things will still keep going wrong. And eventually it would, it would end up with him blowing up in some way and the stress of finally getting to him. <laughs> But he's, I think it's like, yeah, it's like he's like the American suburban version of Basil <laughs> Yeah, that's a good comparison. He has a similar moment with Ellen in the beginning of the movie, doesn't he? Where Yeah. Yeah, she she asks him, yeah. So maybe he's come. I, I think he just always expects it to work out. Yeah, I mean, I think he has you know, a few yeah. of those moments with Ellen because she, she knows how he is and how he gets. And he's he's in denial to the very last moment. We do see at the end at the, of all these movies, of all the, the various vacations you know, when, when things have gone wrong, he, he does seem to recognize, but when things are going wrong, he's in complete denial. Like, everything's fine, everything's everything's fine, until the very end, and it's like, oh, wait, it blew up. So he does eventually realize when, when things have gone wrong, he's just, he's very optimistic while the process is still going, that things may right themselves, as often they do. Uh-huh. It was, a, yeah, I think he must be, because he, he does seem to be a man who's... Um... Despite you're, you're presuming in his like out in the the universe of this film, like his life is constantly like things like this are happening. He's constantly getting into crazy scrapes and stuff. But it doesn't seem to have affected him too negatively because it's like he's got a really good job, really well paying, got a nice house, got a nice family. It seems like no, everything does kind of work its its way out for him eventually. But like you can imagine that there were other stories of like. You know, National Lampoon's wedding, where kid <laughs> getting married would have been like, oh, that would have been a nightmare as well, and that kind of stuff. But so I guess maybe he has cause to, to think, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> everything, everything works out for me. I'll tell you one thing that won't be fine, though, is those, those lights. He's not going to get them untangled. There's no way, 
I, I know he does in the movie, but <laughs> put yourself in this position. That's not going to happen. I have trouble untangling like my earphones. That takes me like a good <laughs> mm-hmm. a good hour just to get them done. He'd be there all night doing that. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where you have to you you take the you know look at the value of your time and say it's going to save me money if I just buy new lights rather yes. than trying to untangle these. <laughs> yeah, you know, just these. Yeah. Although he did, I, I think he's. They did specify that these are like special imported <laughs> ones, though. Say, like they're which so he's they, also lying about. Like that, but but he's also lying about that because when you look at the box, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I'm wondering, is there a um, does does Clark Griswold have sort of a a Frank Grimes equivalent? Is there is there someone at, at the office who looks at this guy and says, you know, this this bumbling idiot, this sociopath, does everything wrong, and yet somehow it works out in the end? You know, he's he's got the house, he's got two cars and the kids. Like, how can he do yeah. it? And I'm, you know, I do everything right, and I'm barely struggling to get by. Yeah. <laughs> it's like eventually coming into like Brian Doyle, Doyle Murphy's office and been like, "Oh, it's all be okay because I'm Clark Griswold." <laughs> Electrocuting himself somehow. I need to see that. I haven't seen. Um, so no, there was. Uh, a more recent one with um, Ed Helms playing yes. Russ and then Chevy and Beverly D'Angelo came back. Uh, has, have, I, have any of you guys watched that one? Or So I'm just wondering if it has any sort of degree of self-awareness about it that like, maybe they, the writers of that are a bit more like, well, maybe we should address some of the like little issues like that of like, oh, this guy's life, he seems to be blessed, but he constantly get into crazy pratfalls and his kids are constantly <laughs> changing and things like that. Or <laughs> did they just leave it and be like, no, that's just the tradition of, of I think, these films. I think there's a line about the kids in a Vegas vacation. Yeah. Where they actually finally address that. Where there's some little throwaway thing like, I don't even recognize you anymore yeah. or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 so, I, <laughs> I haven't seen the new one though. Yeah. So, so the new one, I, I it, it's a little bit more aware and it's more present. And in a way, they they lost me because, as you said, for folks that, that aren't familiar, it's uh, I guess it, it's a, a bit of a sequel. So it's um, it's it's the son, Rusty, all grown up and he's got a wife and his own kids and his own family. And he's trying to recreate, um, you know, this this kind of family vacation that we see in the original uh, vacation film where he's going to take his family on a road trip and they cross the country and and it's all great. And he's going to. You know, fantasize about women who aren't his wife and, and all the things that you know, the old man used to do. Um, but a bit, you know, paradoxically, they lost me because it's modern and they need to make it more sympathetic. Mm. So as, as we were talking about Clark in these movies, you know, there's not there's not much redeeming really no. about Clark uh, other other than we, we don't outright see him purposely hurt an animal. Um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that it's just an accident when he does mm. uh, kill a dog, but they, there's it's it's very straightforward in the the original with Chevy Chase. It's he does what he does, he bumbles what he bumbles, and you know love him, hate him, whatever. That's what he is. Whereas in the yeah the modern day remake, I felt there was a little more manipulation where the writers felt like well we've we can't have this horrible person because no one will like him. We need to make him likable, and in trying to make him likable i like him less yeah <laughs> you know just i'd rather just full-on sociopath go on you know full <laughs> clark griswold mm. and i can relate to that more than 
than someone that they're trying to make me like. Yeah. Well, what do you was, was my opinion on that? What do you think about Margot and Todd who come out here? Because the shorthand is here that they're they're terrible yuppies. They drink Avion. You know, they wear the silver tracksuits. We hate them. Yeah. But why why do why do you think that's such a natural leap for us? <laughs> like when you look at it, they're just kind of quiet neighbors trying to live their lives, and this guy keeps destroying them. Yeah, that's that's, that's my that's my note on the whole thing. It's like should should we hate these people? Absolutely. Because... Like I can imagine living next to Clark. Like, yeah, you would hate him. Like, <laughs> particularly as he seems to keep yeah. destroying yeah. their house. It's kind of like the same with the uh, the Adams family because it's just like, oh, you're supposed to be on their side, and the neighbor really hates them. But at the same time, they're constantly destroying his property. So it's like, yeah, of course right. you would hate them. Ooh. And I, I think yeah. it'd be a, it'd be a pretty good movie to have a, a horror movie with them as the protagonist. They're the heroes, and it's just constantly oh. Clark trying to destroy their lives. <laughs> Yeah, they don't. They don't really do anything no. terrible to him. No, they, nothing. No, they don't do anything to him. They do nothing they, terrible. They, they they endure his insults. And I mean, they they. And I, he, think it's like I mean, we see them in conversation that they they have less than nice things to say. But if you see what happens to them as neighbors of the Griswolds, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not saying I would want to you know go away for the weekend or even spend a meal with with them. But yeah. They're they're the victims in this. Yeah. They're just trying to live their lives, and things are flying in through their windows and and falling in their yard, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, they should be the victims, really. But the way I think they deliberately make you hate them by a making them sort of yuppie characters, as you say, but b uh-huh. like the casting as well, because she has the best kind of aggressive face. She does it in everything. She does it a little bit in Seinfeld, <laughs> but especially lately in Veep. Like, yeah. she just looks horrible and nasty. Like, it's great. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, like, yeah, he's he's coded very much with, like, you know, he's got that slick-backed ponytail, uh-huh. and it's very hard to yeah. like that. <laughs> it's, it's, and the fact it is a weird choice, though, because, again, why, why do we hate them? There's yeah. no reason other than just that. I don't like jerks. Yes, it, it makes him... Yeah, it's easy to <laughs> dislike, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> And one thing I thought was quite odd as well is that, yeah, they seem very much like yuppies. So you'd think they would be living in the city. Yeah, the house. Why, yeah. Are they, why are they out in this nice little suburban cul-de-sac? Like, it doesn't seem like their kind of neighborhood. Yeah, not at all. I was wondering and that too. Just, unless, like, mm. they're big city people who have now decided, we're going to start a family, so let's buy the house first. And, like, they're, now they're, they're out of their element, and they don't like... I was that they... The thing is, we don't know <laughs> why they don't like... Uh, I was going to say Gus Clark again. Um, yeah, because uh, we don't know why. They, we can only assume it's because he's already done Clark. things, mm-hmm. yes, whether on purpose or by accident. And so, like, yeah, yeah, it should be that. Yeah, we should be totally on their side. It's like it's like they're the the, the city kids in you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming into his neighborhood, uh-huh. and he's like Leatherface, National Lampoon, and they're just Leatherface. desperately trying to survive living with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> slaycation. <laughs> there it is. But uh, I will say, I'll, I'll just give a little shout, shout out of appreciation for Julie Louis Dreyfus because I like I'm a big Seinfeld fan, and I just absolutely just seeing her in this, this that made my heart heart leap a little bit. Like, oh, there's Elaine. You know, it's a real. She's she's just it's always a joy to see her on screen. So this is, I guess, pre or right to very mm. close to the beginning of Seinfeld, but this could kind of be a almost a sequel. Of Elaine, you know, moves out of the city and gets married and gets gets stuck ne- next, yeah. next to uh, Leatherface <laughs> Griswold here. 
if, yeah, if, yeah, if, you, if you told me this was Elaine, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I can buy yeah, it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, it's just, yeah. She has that wall yeah. of hair, you know? It's beautiful mane. <laughs> We're dealing like, again, this is, this is 89. We're constantly talking on Batman about Kim Basinger's wall of hair and that as well. So <laughs> this is just, this is just the times, Ooh. man. Like... Right now on the air, hair off. <laughs> we need to decide who has the best well, I'm going with Julia Louis-Dreyfus on that one. Yeah. She maintains mm. that hair. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to side with yeah. with the back. I know I'll go with Julie because Elaine in Seinfeld, like she maintains that haircut for about five seasons, and it must be a lot of work. You know, it's, I'm pretty sure you can trace that hole in the ozone single handedly back, to, right over her. Yeah, to the, the Seinfeld uh, makeup department. I, I thought that was all my fault, so I'm glad you've passed the blame yeah. onto someone else. But it was worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> what i'll say <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yes screw screw the ozone would the ozone ever do for us you know versus the many exactly. years of entertainment we've gotten from uh from elaine and all the other gang at, at seinfeld so there you go <laughs> i know what i'd rather have yeah. <laughs> right so so as clark bumbles around outside doing things to his house i often am concerned that i'm the clark griswold of my neighborhood because <laughs> i'm not very graceful i'm doing these things and I was actually just outside using a stable gun that doesn't really work. <laughs> it's like a bolt-action stable, and you have to like open it up, whack it, close it up to make it shoot a staple. Mm-hmm. And I worry that I am the Clark Griswold <laughs> of, you know, knocking things over, tripping over things. Have you guys ever... Yeah. I was going to say, have you guys ever felt this way trying to do something outside? I feel your pain. Like in front of like an audience that you may or may not be there, where you're just bumbling? <laughs> Is it... <laughs> all the time like i i'm clumsy at the best of times like i'll just fall down the stairs and stuff and it's like i'm a, I'm a 31 year old man yeah. be falling down the stairs but i do and uh I, I, you know i have uh anxiety problems as soon as someone looks at me i'll just do something ridiculous i'll slip on a banana skin almost you know like that kind of thing. i think that's called being a minute by minute podcaster okay so good, i, I feel glad. your pain i i am yeah. good very good the, the hymn of of my neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> mild anxiety disorder yeah. <laughs> that's why we're all here <laughs> but he almost i mean he almost seriously injures himself with this ladder well this ladder thing is also physically impossible because the ladder when he does that thing and the ladder falls it's not leaning against anything but it's still leaning <laughs> and so i i, I, I kind of like to think that maybe this whole movie's <laughs> happening in clark's mind like he's going to wake up at the end and he's being lobotomized or something. we get a lot of kind of weird oh. Oh, surreal is, uh, things uh, happening as they refer to it on how did this get made, uh, a Jacob's Ladder situation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. A Jacob's Ladder, Clark's yeah. Ladder, right Clark's here. Ladder. <laughs> it actually ties in with your idea as well, because when you mentioned his uh, family changing, in my mind I was mm-hmm. thinking, oh, that's that's a bit Lynchy and that's a bit like Lost Highway, you know, the way uh, characters just become new <laughs> mm-hmm. characters. And then that as well, I'm, I'm thinking we are living in a David Lynch world in this film. He, mm-hmm. the, the family have literally become other people, yeah. physically, new people, new situations. He <laughs> can't escape, he's trapped. Yeah. Of and course, we'll we're see, also we'll see. Uh, scored by Angelo Badalamente as well. So it's, oh, yes. it's all completely yeah. tying in now. <laughs> it's all connected, hashtag. Yeah. It's not quite the same ambient sort of uh, <laughs> ethereal, you know, beautiful music you get in Twin Peaks instead of this kind of like xyl- wacky xylophone thing he's given us. But uh. <laughs> well, always, he always strikes me as well because I love Angelo's work. But then one of the other things he did was Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the, the Dream Warriors. 
And uh, if, you, if you've seen that film, you know, there's a big song that comes out of it. There's a full-on hair metal yeah, yes. thing of like, <laughs> we're the dream warriors. And I was, for a second, I was like, is that Angelo Badalamenti? And I was like, no, it's like a proper hair metal band. He did all the incidental music that you're not paying attention to. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm kind of disappointed now that it's not him. <laughs> Have you ever gone on the roof as well? I wanted to ask you this. Has anyone ever gone on the roof to do this with lights? It's not such a big thing in England. People don't really decorate the outside of the house so much. But I mean, my, my dad probably would have if it was a thing, because any excuse to go up a ladder, basically. But I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm 31, <laughs> so I'm, I'm a bit... I am not a man. Our generation aren't men. We don't do manly things like climbing ladders and putting lights up and you know, doing actual work. <laughs> I do. I think I actively avoid ladders whenever I can. I'm, I'm genuinely petrified of them. Like, looking at things like this, like he's up there and it just slim, slips back down and then later on it goes back and stuff. I'd be, the whole time I'd be up one that's all I'd be thinking about it's like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen any second Say, yep. I'm, I'm done I'm going yeah. inside yeah. <laughs> yes yeah I'm I'm not a fan of ladders I think the only time uh, I actually hung lights that involved a ladder was at my, my in-laws house and we we weren't doing it to this Griswold extreme I think uh, my father-in-law just wanted a single strand of, of lights across the front like just below the gutter um, and, and had me up on the ladder uh, doing that. And I, yeah, I'm... But did you staple yourself? <laughs> no, no, I managed to not, not staple myself and not hey, fall no. off of, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of ladders. I don't go up them if, if I don't have to. And also not a big fan of this type of, um, this lighting because whatever he's doing to put it up, well, you're just creating, you're going to have to do it again to take down. Right. And, and we right. see, like, right. obviously he's not the type, Clark is not the type to just leave the lights up all year round because then he wouldn't have to do this. They'd already be there. So the more lights he puts up, that's just more lights that have to come oh. down. But that's not the Christmas spirit. Uh, come on. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> yeah. I did. I, 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 he won't have to do it until, like, March either. He's fine. Like, it's ages yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, of course, these days, now, so these are like, you know, back then it was fixed bulb. These days he could probably get the, like, smart bulbs and then just put have white for Christmas and then just change the colors to red oh. for, like, Valentine's Day and then green for St. Patrick's Day and just just change yeah. the colors and not have that to actually the move the best idea. So that'd be that's that's a perfect application, yeah, for smart lights that you can just you know <laughs> you tell your device and is that the thing that actually happens? Because if I, if that hasn't been done, Sean, you may patent have just, pending, like, patent made pending, yeah, it's like, yeah like, year round lighting, yeah, it's like put in you know get timestamp this all this recording and pick it in and be like, look, I said it first, send this off to the patent. Well, they do have the the I think Philips has smart yeah. lights that you can control with an app and, and change the color, and I've seen where that you can like hook it up to your TV and so the lights in the room will adapt to like the color of what's going on in the movie. I don't know how it works, but I've seen I've that distracts me. I think. Yeah. But so you can take that idea and then just do it outside for, for different holidays. But yeah. Genius. I've just bought a house. So I'm going to, I'm getting them if they exist. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Year round. It's a thing now because John's bought this house, and now I'm gonna start like documenting his gradual descent into Clark Lewis. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna see like every yeah how, how close he's getting every time I meet him. I have so, once like, stapled myself. The bears cap on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> when I was uh, my first day at my first ever job, I accidentally stapled my thumb. 
and uh, I had to discreetly go off to the bathroom and try and get it out and stem the bleeding. Like, so, you know, it's not that far. <laughs> and the, well, the, the hard part is the job. There was nothing involved in stapling with the job. <laughs> no, it was all computer based. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a completely paperless office. They didn't even have any staplers, but uh, somehow. <laughs> But um, this this little cut inside here, uh, this is this is one of the, the scenes that really resonated with me because I see this not just at Christmas. This is like every time my uncle comes up to visit, <laughs> like him and my dad always fall asleep in the same room. Yeah, together, oh, yeah. And it's just like the snore, the snore off is insane. <laughs> it's like at the end of uh, Texas Chainsaw Two when like Dennis Hopper's having the sword fight with the two chainsaws. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, and you're just sitting trying to watch TV, and all you can hear is it's. <laughs> either side of you (laughs) and this is pretty quick i mean they just arrived today and maybe it's a few hours later Uh, but yeah (laughs) maybe they had a long drive i've I've been here uncle lands up at the house 10 minutes Mm -hmm. yeah and he's out yeah and if he's out my dad just it's like you know sneezing or or hiccuping or something it's just like one so one person does it it's gonna follow throughout the room so And they're in that same room, the little TV room with the... Yeah, with yeah. The, where the wild things are. The wild uh, things uh, yeah. They've ejected uh, Rusty. So yeah, so the grandfathers are, are out <laughs> and they're, they're in like the big comfy chair. And the grandmothers are, uh, are decorating a gingerbread house. Um, now this is one thing I wrestled with when trying to decide what day this was. Because they're watching the Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah. Don't look too close. That so that's why I was wondering if they're watching videotapes of. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking maybe they taped it for the grandparents. Could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, are they they're they're coming this, in November. I was going to ask you guys, and they're going to stay through yeah. Christmas. <laughs> like it just. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh. No wonder you know. No wonder. Yeah. No wonder Clark has descended into his imaginary world. You yeah. Blame him, but... <laughs> I thought. See, because. You don't really, you don't really get parades over here either. That's not really a thing. So I just naturally assumed this was like a Christmas parade, and I was thinking, I haven't, I haven't heard of that though. Do you, do you have Christmas parades, or is it just a Thanksgiving thing, or do you just any excuse to have a parade? Yeah, the big ones are Thanksgiving and New Year's, I think. Yeah, and Fourth yeah. of July, but yeah, Christmas parades are not, not much of a thing in terms of like a big televised event. Yeah, this would be typically a Thanksgiving parade. Um, you know, on the morning of Thanksgiving, it would be a Thursday, November. And then at the end, like the last float, the last thing in the parade would be Santa on a, on a sled or something like that kind of ushering in. Now our Thanksgiving's over and we're into the Christmas season. But just ah. uh, just kind of a random on a, a you know, a, a random Saturday in December. That's not a holiday to have this parade. It, it yeah it, it messes with it messes with the the time line so I'm gonna go with this was recorded earlier so that the grandparents have something <laughs> to watch while they're while they're yes. sleeping because <laughs> there are video cassettes lying about so. yeah yeah we do see a VCR on top of the television which is I'll you know one of the here. pluses there's there's a lot of great things with the modern technology and the LCDs and the thin screens and everything but you can't put a VCR on top of an LCD you need <laughs> you need a, a, a thick set for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got frozen on the screen in front of me here, so I thought like, oh, I just want to. I just noticed you can see Clark's watch mm-hmm. when he gets his when he's stapling, and um, judging, but apparently, according to his watch, the time is uh, a quarter to eight. So, I'm assu- and I'm assuming because it's light, this is the morning. But uh, which says, yeah, fair enough. Maybe he got up to do this, and this is like the weekend or whatever. But then, if you're cutting, if we're supposed to take in real time that the grandparents are through this gingerbread house, 
and uh, Doris Roberts is drinking a glass of wine already. <laughs> well, that seems a bit messed up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the watch. It's. It looks to me to be that around it, that time. Two. Well, because it's upside down. The way he's he's you know he's it's the scene where he's holding he's holding the the strand of lights oh. with, with his left hand, and then he's stapling with the right. But the watch is upside oh, down. If you turn it around, right, right, right. it's two fifteen, one fifteen. <laughs> then that, that's that's. Well, it's a little that's early a for red. Wine time. Great save. It's more great of a, yeah. a, you know. It's it's. I think white wine may be more appropriate uh, for that time of day. It's a little early for red, but also we don't know where the grandparents are coming from. There may be time zones involved. It's it's five o'clock wherever she's from. We'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> She's she's living my holiday dream though, cause like I can't do I can't just yeah well just like do this you know, throughout the holiday period because like I work from home and because we do like I do proofreading and we do a lot of work for students so we get a lot of like coursework in and stuff and like assignments around Christmas time so like literally last Christmas Eve about one a.m. I was still working because it's just like that's when things are coming in oh and, uh, so but seeing her do this is like this is what I want to do this is what I want my Christmas to be it's just sitting around watching old tape parades drinking red wine <laughs> I feel really bad now because that is my Christmas because I I work up until Christmas Eve and then every year I take like two and a half half weeks off and I just sit around drinking and eating and watching movies and that's it I'll be, yeah it'll be like noon and it's like well I'll get some Jack Daniels and just yeah. So sorry, Niall. I'm living your dream. So it's just it's leaving Las Vegas for two weeks every year. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, yeah. I use most of my and holidays. It's like a week of where you just can't talk to John in January, where he's just like, he's just not an approachable human being. He's not taking calls. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but then uh, but we also then we got cutting into a thing that uh, infuriated me is uh, seeing Audrey. Slicing this or uh, peeling this carrot. Oh, she's murdering this, this, car- this poor carrot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is just like, if my kid was doing this, this would have been like a <laughs> taking, the, taking her aside and going, like, Look, I'm going to have to tell you something here. <laughs> this is unacceptable. Like, this is, <laughs> particularly, well, I come from a nation where we love, you know, we, we, we value our potatoes. <laughs> and it's like, you were doing that with a potato. I remember I watched the film once with, um, it was a terrible film. But it's called Paper Man and had uh, Jeff Daniels and Emma Stone. And there's a scene where she goes to make him soup and she starts peeling a potato and she's just taking <laughs> chunks out of it. And to this oh. day, I'm just like, Emma Stone, man. Because that's Blasphemy. indicating to me that she doesn't know how to peel a potato in real life. Because if she did, she wouldn't have done it that way on camera. So no, see, this is a... This is teach a... the Irish method. <laughs> Yeah. This is a But I can at least I can kinda of forgive Audrey because it's a bit like, well, she's stressed. So there's a stress peeling. But uh <laughs> Emma Stone did not get that. She had no she can see out. <laughs> no, not none whatsoever. Yeah. And what what is for supper tonight? Because they have every known fruit and vegetable <laughs> out on this table. The only thing I'd see them actually preparing is they're, they're so they're and working on a salad. <laughs> and that's you know, that's where these, these carrot shavings are going. And then there's, there looks like some dinner rolls, and I, yeah, I don't know what else is going on there. I, I see, I see apples. I see. Yeah, know? there's like apples and oranges. There's <laughs> onions. Yeah. I think. <laughs> and then uh, eventually, there's a huge lettuce yeah. is chopped as well. So yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot of the old that's Christmas it, yeah. lettuce. <laughs> to me, that's to me that's a yeah, the, the famous Christmas lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's a Stockholm system. holiday tradition. <laughs> to me, that's just a. 
a helpless like I have, I have no power over my life right now. I'm just gonna chop this lettuce as hard as I can. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take it out of this carrot. They all have Stockholm right. syndrome. Like because they're they're both just talking about how horrible their life is. But you know what? We just have to we have to stick with it. It gives meaning and purpose. Yeah, yeah. which is kind of what the holidays are all about. Of course, Audrey's got like she had the same concerns that I had about what Russ is up to because he's like, oh, I have nightmares, dreaming about what he's you know doing in his bed when I'm not lying right next to him. And it's like, well, you know, from just watching th- these th- these couple of scenes, I've got concerns about this kid. <laughs> Although I think I I think I watched this film like because um, this one like these these films weren't they're not as big in the UK. I don't think it's like no no they're they're not as prevalent. Uh, Chevy Chase in general not really he's not the superstar that he is and well he's not a superstar in America anymore. But like in the eighties <laughs> he, he was <laughs> you know so much so that he's in the the video for Ghostbusters. And he's not even in the friggin' film. <laughs> but um, it's uh, <laughs> I don't think he I don't think Chevy ever kind of made it in the UK as a. As a presence, like right up until like Community, mm. I think that's was when people started going like, "Oh, this Chevy Chase guy is pretty good." Because we don't get SNL over here, and like I don't think these because these, these are very American kind of films of like the you know, American yes. suburban life. So maybe it just doesn't register as much. But um, this this one did play more because just because when you didn't have cable <laughs> TV, you'd have to have something. The channels would just fill up anything that had Christmas in the title. And like, you know, just whatever, just get it out. It's got Christmas. There you go. Done. <laughs> and um, I did think I watched this one more because I think I used to, I used to have a thing for Juliette Lewis when I was a kid. Didn't we all? So it's kind of like uh, that. Yeah. What do you mean used to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Still. Just, you haven't seen her around lately. So it's been like a while. And then watching it, this is like, oh yeah, Juliette Lewis. I actually really like her back in, particularly back in the nineties when I was growing up. Cause then it was like the national, bo- natural born killers era and. You know California mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and she was like really prevalent all the time. And uh, now she's just sort of like virtually. I think she's because she's concentrating on her music more. I think she's a full-on punk singer these days. But you do see her occasionally pop up in uh, you know, like things like Whip It and things, you know, that that kind of stuff. Yes, but uh, and she was yeah. in Wayward Pines for like five seconds. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> thinking like, oh, here we go, and then like, no, she's, spoilers for Wayward Pines. She is not around that, that long. <laughs> yeah, cut that, cut it, <laughs> ruining it for everybody. <laughs> This was one of her first uh, credits as oh. uh, a film, too. So this is, she was, I don't know how known or unknown she was at the moment, but I mean, TV series, TV series, TV series in 87, and then this is, I think this is like her first big movie. Mm. It's 16. But, uh... Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of if I would have known her from anything before this. Although, uh, Probably not. And, um... And doing it as, as, as we, as, as is our want on Batman, it's, I was like, how, how can I link... Juliette Lewis to Batman, but it's quite easy because she's in My Stepmother's an Alien, Kim Basinger, and then obviously Whip It as well, directed by Drew Barrymore, starring Drew Barrymore as well. And it goes back, uh, you know, to she's in Batman Forever. So like, yeah. And then um, Beverly D'Angelo, I'm like, she links uh, links us with you, Pete, because uh, she's in uh, The Pope Must Die, uh, as it's known in the UK. And then because because of, of the controversial title, they changed it to The Pope Must Diet. In the US. Diet. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, crazy uh, to me. <laughs> that's really insulting to Robbie Coltrane as well. It's just like, yeah, oh, yeah. we don't want to offend the Pope. Let's just call this yeah. guy fat. And it's like, and the, what whole, the hell? And the whole movie is uh, about trying to kill the Pope. So it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she's, uh, that also features uh, William Hootkins, who's oh, nice. Eckhart yeah. in Batman. Oh, he's everywhere. And he's a, was it, uh, Major Eaton? Major Eaton. Yeah. Major, Major Eaton. Eaton. 
Yeah. It's major most insulting character. Talk about insulting <laughs> your overweight actor. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, I don't know if, if, if Major Eden is, is, is worse than Porkins. I know. Yeah. He's got like a trend yeah. of having these awful yeah. names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the great William yes. Hoodkins. <laughs> I like the way we've been going this long, and we haven't even talked about my favorite bit of this uh, this day. Oh, what's that? <laughs> Which, All right, well, let's, that? let's we don't we want to make sure we get to it before we we yeah, we leave. So please, what is so John? <laughs> what is your favorite part of this day? Well, it it is basically when or he uh, he slips and breaks the the gutter off the uh, the, the roof there and, uh, the, <laughs> for unknown reasons. Yeah. This this would never happen. A giant icicle shoots out and flies through the neighbor's window. It's insane. Yeah. But well, I, I loved how absurd it was. Yeah. And, and it breaks. They identify it as a CD player. They say, oh, it's broken the... No, sorry, a stereo. They say, oh, it's broken the stereo. Yeah. That doesn't look like any stereo I've seen. Is this some sort of weird, fancy, futuristic <laughs> device? Because it, it looks like a weird collection of like PS3s or something. <laughs> The, yeah. the 80s, man. This well, this like, is yeah. yeah, this is what the future looked like in the eighties. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I I can't identify that exact unit, but I'm familiar with that sort of style oh. of what kind of what modern looked like. It was all you know shiny metal and black plastic, mm. and everything was thin and and sleek kind of thing. It was like that Bong and Olufsen. I don't think I had my own until like 92, 93. So maybe, maybe yeah. it changed it, by then. It would explode in a flash when pierced by ice. <laughs> yes. Just like. like yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is like one of those like a Sherlock Holmes mystery where like there's no, you know, the, the weapon of the, the murder weapon that killed the stereo is not around. And the stereo oh. was alone in a locked room. But somehow, <laughs> some, you know, but everything's wet. You know, it's, it's, it's a mystery. That, that gutter hangs on a lot longer than you would think, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's well made. Oh, when I, and I just noticed playing this, it actually looks like the window's open. That's just below when, when Clark goes flying off and he's hanging on the gutter. Oh. Looks like there's a window open. I would think it'd be, I mean, there's ice and snow and everything. It'd be quite cold to have an open window upstairs like that. See, I'm always trying to tell my partner this, but she just opens the windows anyway. I'm yeah. like, it's winter. Yeah. Shut the windows. <laughs> Keep them closed. <laughs> no. <laughs> suburban dad complaint of just like, how much money are we spending to heat this house? And you've got the window open. It's crazy. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will just mention as well, uh, my, my, my favorite moment in the, this collection of minutes as well. It's a much more minor sort of thing. But for some reason, it really, it, out, of, out of everything, it really cracked me up is when... Uh, Beverly D'Angelo is like when she's trying to light her cigarette and she's got the box of matches and uh-huh. she, she goes to scratch it and all the matches just fly out everywhere and it's very just simple and it's just dismissed without anyone saying anything but for some reason that 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 yeah. got me laughing more than like anything else in the in the scene. Well, yeah, and and, she, and she's great, Beverly D'Angelo, and the way she sells those kind of those quiet moments and then just mm-hmm. uh, let it let mm-hmm. it pass without. Dwelling. She's got that that thing as well, like the almost. Because that scene's like she's literally just lit the cigarette, and then her mother is just like, "Are you smoking?" And it's just like that's a, that's like almost <laughs> yeah. like a supernatural thing that parents have, where it's like they just know what you're up to. They yeah. just but know. Her mother who's but her mother's smoking like a chimney mm. in the next room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like the mother does. What's the smoke? issue here? Mm. Well, yeah, I was, I, was, I was watching something the other day. What was it? Um, where I had the kids? Oh no, I was, I was rewatching. Because of you know the Twin Peaks, the final dossier just came out, and I'm going through that. I'm going to go through the entire third season again. But I was like, I'll rewatch 
fire walk with me and all the deleted, all the missing pieces and stuff. And there's a bit with, uh, yeah, Laura Palmer's mother comes in with a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And Laura's been upstairs smoking as well. And she's got her arms full of groceries. As Laura's coming down, she's like, cigarette, cigarette, cigarette. And Laura has to take it out of her mouth. And she just goes to her like, the way you don't become a smoker is that you never start. And kind of very sternly tells her daughter, like, don't you start smoking, <laughs> even though she's just been smoking upstairs. <laughs> so I imagine it's the same thing. It's just like, I can, I've already fallen into this vice, but don't you do it. You know, that kind of, don't you make the, mis- the same yeah. mistakes uh-huh. I did. That kind of thing. Which is also a kind of classic parent thing to do as well. Of Just like, yeah, I'm doing it. But like, hey, I know it's bad, but it's too late for me. <laughs> You know, just go on. And just, <laughs> right. Save yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for me. Just tell your sister she was right. Let me look on you with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do get another one of my... I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, so let me ask you. Because, well, God, I'm just looking at the time we've been going. We, 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 there's another one of my favorite bits where they're outside. Do you want me to talk about that? Or do you want to... Yeah, actually, I was just, I was just about to... When they're, when they're uh, at night for the lighting yeah so i was actually just about to jump ahead Mm. to that so this is a great segue so uh yeah so about eight minutes into uh this day uh clark has the the family gathered on the front lawn for the uh the illumination i absolutely love this bit because one of the grandparents here that the line he comes out with is just right i'm disturbed because he says I'm freezing my baguettes off. <laughs> right. And, and to me, this paints like an unsettling image about either the shape or the quantity of his genitalia. I'm concerned for the man. Like, what's happening down there? <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to think about old men <laughs> genitalia. <laughs> no, it's not very Christmassy. Edit this bit out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. So it gives you an, a you know a, a a glimpse into the different households and the families that these that the two parents Clark and Ellen come from. That uh, Ellen's parents. Well, we saw that the mother was drinking wine earlier, and now uh, or Francis, and now she's out with uh, oh the martini glass. I don't know what's in it. And then uh, Art, Ellen's father, has got a drink of his own. With a bit of a, a Santa Santa swizzle stick in it, but uh, and and he's like in pajamas and robe. He's ready for bed and he's having. I'm maybe it's a nightcap. Maybe he's just been drinking all day uh, since waking up. But they're yeah they're out on the lawn and they they couldn't leave their drinks. You didn't want to leave those behind unattended <laughs> for a second. You can't do that at Christmas. You you keep that thing on you. You just keep drinking. If you stop drinking, that's when you run into problems. You see. <laughs> it's, it's, it's also as well as a, a, a warm, warm your cockles sort of situation of like you're going to be out in the cold. Might as well have yeah, a drink. Yeah. Although I think it's kind of common knowledge now that that's yeah. that's a fallacy because the alcohol actually restricts your blood vessels. Mm. So you'll actually you won't feel cold, but you'll mm-hmm. actually be freezing <laughs> yes so it's, a, it's like right. the worst thing right you'll feel yeah you'll yeah. feel warm but you're actually freezing yeah, to death yeah. <laughs> so it's actually like don't, you know that's one of these things you should probably should put this in films from now on of like make sure you know that in case anyone's stuck out in the snow and they're like i'll just neck some whiskey or something and it'll be fine and i was like no you don't want to do that <laughs> yeah here comes a large dog with a barrel of brandy around his neck no, it's, oh, another it's thing i like here though is uh when he when he tries to put the lights on and it's not working it's quite nice to see his daughter defend him because, mm. you know, we've, we've established he's, he's a bit of a jerk, yeah. isn't he? He's not that lovable. But, you know, his family are sticking by him. He worked really hard, she says. He did. He put effort in. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, uh, it's kind of ironic as well. It's like, yeah, th- that was a bit I really liked as well is the fact that, like, 
you know, she she has complained about her father, like not Juliette Lewis, but the other two Audrey's throughout the years have <laughs> frequently complained about what their fathers are. And um, yeah, but it's just the fact that it, yeah, it, it, the, the family bond does stand it and, and someone else is giving him crap that she's just like, no, he worked hard, you know, leave him alone. Like it's, it's clearly, this means a lot to him. Don't be so hard on him. It's, yeah, it's a nice moment. And then his own father, his own parents coming over, his mother as well, been like, oh, I can picture it in my head and it's magnificent. And all, all this is, it is, it's a very, although I will say, I'm sure you guys will get to it, but I thought it was, uh, this is almost like a, a weird bit of foreshadowing is that at the end of the movie when, you know, they've abducted uh, Bill Murray's brother and he's like giving him loads of, you know, like, oh, you're, you're fired and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. The first person to stand up for Clark is that granddad, is E.G. Marshall. He's the first one to go like, nope, um, you listen here. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, it's, he, he's doing now what Audrey was doing here. It's like, I can give my family crap, but you can't. If, they, if someone from the outside is threatening them. So she's, she complains about her dad, but when someone else does it, she'll stick up for him. And then if someone like his dad, if his boss comes in to complain about him, his father-in-law will be like, "Wait a minute, this is my, you know, you leave this guy alone." That kind of thing. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's nice. It's a nice moment. There you go. The the true lesson of Christmas. We uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only we can pick on our own. <laughs> right. I will say as well. Um, I don't know what it was, and like uh, maybe it's just I should be going to a doctor to get this checked out or something because there's there's a shot of Chevy here, like <laughs> when he tries the lights and they don't work. And there's a bit of his dad comes over and he's like, oh, you know, you should have, you know, maybe have you checked every bulb, son. And there's a bit of Chevy here. Look, he looks really made up. He looks like he's got a lot of makeup on or something. And his teeth are really white. He looks like I've kind of got him down. as like he's kind of Disney Prince looking, kind of like a Ken doll, kind of like a corpse <laughs> that's been made up. And it's a particularly a shot of him going like, I did that already, Dad. And he's kind of got his mouth open. And I was, as I was looking at it, I felt like, it was like my brain was having a seizure of like, this doesn't look right. Like, I don't know what it is. That this image to me looks so odd. But it's just Chevy Chase just looking, just looking a bit weird. <laughs> That's just his yeah. face. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. It's just, just like, I was kind of like, and the first time I watched the minute, I got that. I was almost scared to rewatch it because it's like, well, if I end up having like a stroke looking at this, because I don't know what this, what this image is doing to my brain. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my own with that. Uh, I think he, he's. <laughs> Woo! Team no, corpse. I see it. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm. I'm, 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 I'm on board. <laughs> And that makes a lot more of the movie make sense, too. Well, it ties in with the, the Jacob's Ladder. Uh, <laughs> the, the Griswold's Ladder theory yeah. of, uh, of this movie. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and I, I really like, I think it's a nice touch in the, uh, the score, where the, the symbols at the end of the drum roll symbolize the, the fail when you hear the symbol rattling around in the ground. <laughs> the very last symbol you hear is someone's dropped a symbol and it's mm-hmm. just spinning on the ground and coming to a rest. Yeah. I think that's a great touch with the music. I... I it gets me every time. Yeah, that's nice. It's one of the sound of failure I, every time. <laughs> yes, it's symbols falling. And then we uh, we wrap up the day with most of the family kind of nestled in their beds. Get let's see, uh, we get Clark's parents. Nora's trying to sleep while uh, what's his name? Well, Clark Senior. I guess they. So they. I guess, <laughs> it looks like they're, so they're in Audrey's room. <laughs> And he's got one of Audrey's magazines <laughs> out, Sassy. Sassy, yeah. <laughs> that he's reading. He's got his uh, torch slash flashlight, depending on where you're from. That he's uh, yeah, <laughs> he's he's 
reading Sassy in, in the dark. And then we cut to, uh, we got Audrey and Rusty. Don't know where they are because they've both lost their oh their regular bedrooms, but they're they're sharing a bed. And, and Rusty, he's he's very restless. He's the kind who spreads out and puts his arm everywhere while he's sleeping. And um, Audrey is appropriately repulsed by, yeah. by his brother in this situation. And then we see well, it flashes to Clark and Ellen. But I want to get to as we've mentioned before. I guess for some reason Rusty has bunk beds. Oh, not I guess I know he's he's got bunk beds and uh, and then Art, yeah, uh, E.G. Marshall is in the top bunk and well before we see what he's looking at on the ceiling <laughs> behind him on the wall, <laughs> I knew you were um, going to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a, a tortoise, well two tortoises, I guess turtle tortoises, tortoi. Yeah. Um, Rusty's a bit of a. Uh, a nature fan? Uh, well, that's one way of putting it, yeah. Uh, maybe they're Galapagos, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> am, am I seeing what I think and, I'm uh, seeing, though? <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird poster. I, like, where? I'm afraid you Do are. National Geographic give those out in the magazine? Like, I don't understand where yeah. you'd even obtain this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where you'd, where you'd even get that. I guess the, uh, you know, gift shop at the zoo. <laughs> what a lovely picture for the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I, 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 um, <laughs> yeah. So there are some things that a, um, a a teenage boy might be interested in that may happen very quickly that he may prefer to happen more slowly, <laughs> and so maybe this image of the the tortoise is ah, encouragement yeah. like in that area, inspiration, <laughs> like a like a mental thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to try that. Um, but so so yeah. So art as as there's the camera does a slow pull in, uh, closing in on art who is grinning very widely, who is uh, wide eyes are wide open despite the fact that he's in bed and most of the other family's asleep, and then a slow pan up to the poster on the ceiling above the bed. Um, and who is that? Do, does anybody, has anyone identified that poster? I'm sure it's a famous poster that I should recognize instantly, but I admit mm. I, I do not. I would have thought they, they, they might have tried to get, like, uh, Christy Brinkley, because that would have been a nice tie back yeah. to the first one, but no, mm, it doesn't, doesn't it's look like, like George. So. It says George, I think. No. <laughs> that's what it looks like that's what the signature looks like but i don't think that's george martin <laughs> I don't we, think we that's might be picture, wrong that could uh, be what, what george martin looks like yeah it could be yeah. yeah he went through a phase you know yeah it's just, uh... this just in the poster above rusty's bed is of model carrie otis from an advertising campaign for guest jeans the signature on the poster is from george marciano a co-founder of the guest clothing company and then the, the, the final scene is uh, is Clark outside on the ladder checking bulbs. Mm. So he has not given up. Yeah. And that moon <laughs> that moon is about three hundred times too it's, big. It's very close. Like that moon is, looks spectacular. <laughs> like it's huge. It fills the whole sky. It's it's, it's actually a disaster yeah. movie that the moon is yeah. too close. <laughs> Which might explain all the nuclear fallout that's all, all yeah. over the place. This is actually what? Christmas in July. It's all ash. It's not snow. They're volcanic ash or whatever this is. I will ask as well, though. Um, why, why does Russ have bunk beds? Like, or, or a bunk bed? 
Because it seems like, is this like yeah. an admission of like, this is where the two original Russes were kept and they've both died. And this is why this one's yeah. so much younger. Is he was in a crib in another room and now he's almost of age. You're Russ now. My, my brother had bunk beds as, as, a, as a single person. And I think he just liked to be able to climb up a ladder and go to bed. And there was a big enough age difference between us that it was, they were mm-hmm. not our bunk beds. It was his mm-hmm. bunk bed. So he was one kid with with a bunk bed. I don't know. I'll have to ask him why. I I had him for a while, and it was mainly so I could have like a friend over, and they could sleep in the other one. Uh, but then I started sleeping on the top because I liked it when my alarm went off. To turn it off, I had to get up because <laughs> I had to just leap out of the bed. Basically, I had no option. It's like you're you're getting up. Yeah. So I I had bunk beds. Um, and I'm wondering this explanation here that they were originally in a a smaller house because uh, my sister and I. Uh, at one point, my parents, we, we were in a in an apartment and I guess I don't remember. I was very young, but I guess there were only two bedrooms. So my parents had one and my sister and I shared the other and we had bunk beds. But then later on, we moved to a house where we had separate bedrooms and they the, the bunk bed came apart. It was the type that it then formed two separate beds. So then when I had my own room, I had one of the beds that used to be a level in the bunk bed. But I didn't have I didn't have the bunk part. I didn't have both levels to myself. So maybe you know maybe previously they lived in a smaller house or an apartment where Audrey and Rusty had to share a room. And now that they've got the larger house, they have their own rooms. But uh, yeah, Rusty. Well, yeah, because I could see if he was just in a regular bed that the ceiling would be too high, that the poster would be very far away. So uh, you'd prefer the top bunk to be to be closer. <laughs> I wonder as well does. It, like, are the parents aware that that poster is there? So that seems like it might be in, like a nice little clandestine thing. That I suppose no, you'd instantly spot it though, wouldn't you? You think I'd be clever? Like, I'll put it flat in the roof, and no one need ever know that I have this raunchy picture. And then your mother would come in and be like, "What the hell is that?" You know, instantaneously. Yeah. <laughs> I think she'd be more worried about the t- the, the tortoise poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the human <laughs> female that's <laughs> normal for a teenage boy. The the tortoise poster. Uh, we need to talk. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> get get rusty to a specialist there. Not sure what's going on. <laughs> uh, and that brings us to uh, the end. You know, on December sixteenth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, anything else anyone wants to to add on this day? I really like the uh, the Silent Night, mm-hmm. the orchestration of the Silent Night at the end of this day. Yeah, yeah. I could not find it mm-hmm. um, anywhere. Yeah, it's nice. Like it's it's it was basically something they did for the movie. I was trying to find out if I could find it because it's a very nice. Huh. Uh, I, I like the way it's arranged, and I just wanted to call it out because I cannot identify uh-huh. it, but I like it. Nice. Is there is there a, a soundtrack to the movie? Actually, I admit I haven't looked uh, before this point. I could not. I don't know if they released like a, a soundtrack record for it. Not that I could find. I mean, there's there's credits for the mm-hmm. the composer, and there, there's some really weird music credits in the credits that I'm sure will. We'll get to later, but um, I could not find like a like a soundtrack. I found a it was like a double record with this and Christmas with the Cranks, <laughs> and uh, there was a Silent Night on there that was not the correct one. So, but that was all I found. Well, it's certainly not on Spotify. I've just had a look. <laughs> so there you go. Yes, it, it tricked Shazam as well. So <laughs> the only other thing I have uh, this minute is like a really minor thing. Is just I, I was genuinely confused by. 
the line of dialogue again when E.G. Marshall's making fun of or, uh, you know Clark's lighting failure and uh, Audrey says something like oh you know he, he worked really hard he worked really hard Grandpa and then he responds with uh, yeah so do washing <laughs> machines and it's like what? <laughs> what kind of a comeback is that? I, you call I like that. Well, yeah, and that's I don't get what it yeah. means though is it, is it you saying like the money would have been better spent on a washing machine? Is he comparing Clark to a washing machine? I think that, because the washing machine spends its time toiling away in your basement, and you never really say, thank God we have a but washing machine. But it does... I mean, it's, it assuming he's talking about a, a washing machine, that like a washing machine is is like does something. It gets your clothes clean. So it's not a good... If he's trying to... you know, he's Yeah, if he's, if he's looking for an analogy of something that does a lot of work but isn't useful which I think is what he's trying to say about all the work that, that Clark did on these lights. But, like, washing machines are useful, so that's not a good analogy at all. Mm. Unless he's saying that Clark got their clothes clean while he was hanging lights. Uh, yeah. Maybe. It is. And, and yeah, it's not, a, it's not a thing I've, I've heard otherwise outside of this movie. It's not a saying. It's... Maybe, and maybe it's a Chicago, Illinois thing. I don't know. Not something we said growing up here on the coast. You know, someone who's working really hard. I mean, if you guys have a... <laughs> Have a like a discussion page set up for for this for the listeners. I I invite people to <laughs> pitch in their theories about exactly what what the hell that means because I'm stumped. I genuinely couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> Nothing that made sense anyway. Nothing that was like you know maybe it's some old world wisdom that I'm not getting from like this old man who was around before. He was around before there were washing machines, so you think he'd be more grateful for them as well. So imagine he'd uh, be very. Maybe, yeah, some, that, that should be his analogy for like the latest whiz bang gadget, like you know the the the, the latest thing yeah, out of yeah. Japan or Silicon Valley or something. Like, oh, it's greatest thing since washing machines. I tell you, but, yeah, uh, yeah, makes, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I guess any of our listeners, if you uh, if you have any idea what uh, what EG is talking about here, or if you often compare uh, hardworking fathers to washing machines or other appliances, uh, you can let us know. Uh, we've got a Facebook group the NLCVD Jelly of the Month Club. Or you can uh, give us a shout out on Twitter where we're at NLC Vacation Days. And uh, if you want to keep it private, you can also just shoot us an old-fashioned email at christmasvacationdays at gmail.com. And so, uh, Niall and John, if folks want to reach you or hear more about your opinions on, uh, on household appliances, <laughs> where can they find you? Well, we are absolutely everywhere, like a bad rash. You can't get rid of us either. Uh, we are on Facebook. Uh, we've got our Batminute 89 Listener Society. That's probably the, the best place to chat. Or we're also on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, all of these things, just at Batminute89. We're the only one, so don't worry. Just type that in. We're right there. Yeah. We probably should uh, explain, just in case people don't know, because I think we didn't mention it at the beginning. Uh, we're analyzing the Tim Burton 1989 Batman film one minute at a time. So that's why we're called Batminute 89, <laughs> in case you just think we're just we're just <laughs> talking about 89 bats or something. <laughs> that also explains why we've lost our minds. Like we might have mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, in case you're just in case we didn't mention it earlier, that's what we that's what we do. Yes, yeah. The the eighty nine in the title is a reference to the year nineteen eighty nine. We didn't think yes, about that with the sequels though, because now our, all our, it, yeah. our our social media stuff is at Batman eighty nine. Like, but wait a minute, the next one's going to be Batman it returns. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna have to build that empire yeah. every time over you know, yeah. every single time. Yeah, I didn't exactly think that one through. But, uh, <laughs> Live and learn. 
And uh, so, uh, Mr. Pete Mummert, yes. if folks want to hear more from you, uh, where can they find you? You can find me at indianajonesminute.com, where we talk about Indiana Jones one minute at a time. Yeah, yeah. And that's a movie that did not come out in 1989. Although, uh, no, Last Crusade did. Last Crusade. Hey. Yeah. Right? Was that 89? Yep. There it yeah. is. There you go. So uh, that's that'll be the next one. All connected. Out. Yep. And Mr. Christopher, where can uh, folks hear from you? Well, um, they can hear me here. If they, as they already have. And uh, if you want to see what I'm up to, you can come to uh, friendsofamelia.org and I can come see uh, see what I'm up to there. That's where I'd like to be found. How do you spell Amelia? E M I L I A. Yeah, so fr- Friends of Amelia, I, r- I recommend that our listeners check that out. As always, I am Sean German. You can find me here at National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Days. You can also find me at five minutes of mime.com. And so thank you all for listening. Thank, uh, thanks to John and Niall for, for joining us. Thank you, Christopher and Peter. And we will all do this again on the next day of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. As usual, we've made everyone run on longer than intended. (laughs) Mission accomplished. I was having a a little private chuckle at the beginning when you said, of you guys are feeling shy, we can run short. And I was like, (laughs) you wish, you wish, German. (laughs) 